welcome to the Milestones, Motivation, and Money podcast, a weekly conversation filled with stories of business, financial literacy, careers, leadership, and resilience. Setting and achieving goals is key, whether they are related to your finances, business, or career. I hope to empower you with these conversations no matter where you are in life. I'm your host, Angel Radcliffe, and on this show, get ready to change your mindset and start your journey to achieve your lifelong goals. So if you need a little motivation to start your day or jumpstart your next project, tune in and be sure to join our community online at milestonesmotivationandmoney.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to the podcast. On today's show, we're chatting about being a successful mompreneur. And I have so many people who tune into the show and are sending messages and they really want someone to share how they're balancing entrepreneurship and motherhood. Um, This is just such an amazing topic because we have so many people who are parents, who own businesses. And of course, there's so many different perspectives. There's perspectives from the father, there's perspectives from the mother. But today, we're going to be chatting with Sierra Stockland, who is a mompreneur, and she's been an entrepreneur for almost 20 years. She's going to chat how she balances both, but also some of those ups and downs throughout her business and what makes her business better while she includes her family. Sierra's been in business for over 20 years. She first launched a store called Mama Mia, which catered to pregnant women. It was a high-end maternity store. And she has transitioned to other businesses, uh, designer store outlets, and she's done some wholesaling. And now she's launched the Boutique Workshop, which is a coaching program for retailers. Sierra was recognized as a small business champion through SCORE. We'll touch base on that and how you can get involved. So let's go ahead and welcome Sierra to the show and get this conversation started. Sierra, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to have you here and chat about a topic that we haven't visited before. And we're on season three, so becoming a successful mompreneur. So many people who are listening are probably parents and trying to figure out how they can balance the two. So I know this will be such a great conversation. Yes, very relevant, and I'm excited to visit about it. So how about you give us a little bit of background about yourself, and then we definitely want to hear about how you became an entrepreneur. Yes, so I am a mom. I have an 18-year-old, I cannot believe it, and a 16-year-old, and have owned small business as long as they've been around. So I'm a third generation entrepreneur born and raised in Fargo, North Dakota. And so small business was just very natural. The idea of owning a small business was not foreign to me. And so my first business I started when I was 13, actually um, built that, grew that for about a decade until, you know, my got married, had a couple of kids and then decided to move on. It was a nonprofit, move on from the nonprofit space and open a retail concept. So that was my second business in 2006, opened my first retail store in downtown Fargo, North Dakota. And it was really through that business model and building up of the retail and then franchising it that I learned so much about the small business world. And through that, you know, growth of that business over the the next decade was able to really build the resume that I have now, which has led me to a coaching business working specifically with small business retailers. Oh, wow. Awesome. And so it's always interesting when I meet people who have the physical store locations or who've had that opportunity to run a business in that particular aspect. 
thinking back to actually having a brick and mortar location, are there any tips that you can give those who are looking to go out and take their retail business from e-commerce to brick and mortar? Well, I would encourage them to do it. I love brick and mortar. I know there's a lot more expense with it. And of course there's more risk because of rent and payroll and some of those pieces that you don't always have when you're working out of your home, but there's something so special about having a physical location where your customers can come and meet with you. And so I just love brick and mortar of any type. And I think if someone is thinking about getting into the brick and mortar space from just an online type business model, really remember that location is important, specifically if you're in retail, you know, there's some brick and mortar we can get away with, you know, offsite locations or back of the way locations. But if you're in any type of retail business, having a location where people can easily find and access you is going to be so important. In fact, I was just um, speaking with one of my coaching clients today and she is getting ready to open up a retail store and is looking at locations. And she said, Hey, you know, this one, the, the rent is so much more, should I be looking at less rent, you know, but you know, not as good of a location. And I said, don't trade potential sales for just a little bit of savings and expense. If it makes sense, absolutely. But that would be my best word of advice is to just make sure that you're being really cognizant of where you are locating your, your first brick and mortar. That's really great advice. So I want to get more into the transition. So you've transitioned out of actually having a store. You're now running a coaching business. If you can think back to some major lessons that you learned when you were in the retail business, what would be the number one lesson that you learned? I would say it's really important to know your superpower, like to really know who you are, what you're very good at and what you are not good at (laughs) and, and identify that early on. So, you know, as a small business owner, we feel like we have to do all of the things. And we often do at the beginning, we really have to wear all the hats. We just do because resources are limited, but we start to get really addicted to that feeling of having to do everything. And while as entrepreneurs will complain about it and we'll say, oh my goodness, I'm doing all of the things and I'm wearing all the hats and it's so stressful. We're very addicted to the feeling of being needed in every part of our business. And so as soon as you can, once your business is started and it's going, start to think about what you're really good at. Where do you thrive? And where do you, you know, where could you bring additional help in and and kind of offload some of those tasks that maybe you're just not the best at, or you really don't enjoy and then set some goals in place. So you make sure that those transitions happen. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing I often tell my audience and my clients is you have to build a team. You can't do Mm -hmm. everything on your own. And Of course, one would think if you have a retail space, you most likely have employees, but believe it or not, I've met people with a retail location and it's just them. They're there from open to close. And I'm like, you cannot do this. How do you have time to do the other things that need to be done in your business? Right. And so absolutely thinking about those, the goal setting and the lessons learned, what was the light bulb moment that made you want to step out of retail and then now you're into coaching? Yeah. I mean, so for me, it was a very rocky road. Like it is often, you know, we always see the 
front side, the beautiful pictures of everyone's small business and the glamour side of it. And we don't realize that behind the scenes, there is a roller coaster of emotions and, you know, just things going on as you're building your business. So for me, there was a series of events that really led me to what I say is like God prying open my grimy little hand and pulling it out. Cause I thought I just have to do this. Like, this is what I meant to do. And I couldn't see past having my stores, but as God began to unwind that side of my business life um, and open up other doors that led me to coaching, I could really see that the transitions that all the things that I had been learning and the transitions that I've been making had been leading me up to where I am today. And I absolutely love what I'm doing, but I never would have stepped into this freely, you know, because I think in the middle of anything, we feel like where we're at is exactly where we're supposed to be, even if it's really difficult. And all the signs are telling us that, Hey, you know what? It might be the end of a chapter, right? And so just being really willing um, to take good advice, I think that was, you know, aha for me, not a moment in particular, but ongoing, realizing that I needed the advice of people much wiser than me to tell me what direction I should go in and what was I not seeing, what skills did I have that I could put into place in the next chapter. That was really big for me. And then just being humble enough to realize that even though I had a definition of my end, that doesn't always happen, right? Like we can define the end of our story, but sometimes our story isn't ours to write. (laughs) There's other, you know, things um, coming into play and being humble enough to say like, that's okay. And I can maneuver and I can pivot and I can go in a different direction and that can still be successful for me. I love that saying our story isn't our own to write. Yeah. And it's hard to believe it and realize it sometimes though, isn't it? It is. And there's such a deeper meaning. Like you have to really become one with yourself and, and have that self-reflection to really understand that particular phrase, because we always think that we're in control of everything we do in life and granted, Mm -hmm. yes, we choose to make the decisions and those decisions can place us on various paths in life, but it doesn't always go as planned. No, And we're not always in control. So we can make the right decision. It's, you know, if the result of that decision will go with, will go with the plan. Right. And sometimes yes. it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And I had one mentor who was really wise and spoken to me and said, you know, Sierra, sometimes when you end up in a place where you don't want to be, it's important again, that humbleness of like, okay, what did I do that contributed to to where I am, because we have to own part of that, right? We can't say everything's beyond my control. Everything is everyone else's fault. Like we need to own where we're at to some extent if we want to move forward, but then to also realize there are also things beyond our control. And I think we all saw that in the last year and a half with COVID, you know, my customers that had brick and mortar, it was beyond their control. If they had to close their doors, that wasn't something they chose, but it's what they did with that circumstance that then moved them, you know, in a forward direction. And so that's as business owners, what we have to just keep our eyes and ears and mind open to. Definitely. And you said something else, another buzzword, you keep saying buzzwords and (laughs) talk about having a mentor and taking advice from someone. And I feel as though whether you're an entrepreneur or you're choosing to um, pursue a career in corporate, you have to have those mentors and people who have maybe been on that same path that you've been on and can give you some advice and maybe see when you're struggling and, and someone who's non-biased. So where exactly did you find your mentor? 
Yeah. So it is really a buzzword. I think it, it floats around a lot. You have to have a mentor and you should have a mentor, but what does that mean? You know, so everything that I teach and work on with my clients centers around being really intentional and mentorship is no different. So to have a mentor and to really use your mentor to the full capacity that they want to be used, we need to be really intentional. So for me, mentorship has always looked like finding someone that's, you know, has possesses a skill set that I'm trying to accomplish or, you know, something I wanted to, to change or grow in my life um, that is in a place where I would like to be or where I'm going. And then just to reach out and be intentional with asking them to participate in my journey. So a mentor, you know, to me looks like, Hey, Susan, I love what you have done with your business. Can I tap into your genius for just 20 minutes? Do you have a couple minutes for me? I'd love to bring you three questions. I'll be really prepared. I'll be on time. I'll be, you know, very respectful of your, your time and your day. And then just reaching out and asking. And I would say, I've never had someone tell me, no, you know, if you're respectful and you come prepared, of course, people want you to tap into their genius, right? We all love to say what we, what we've learned and what we can do well. And then sometimes those just develop into a more formal mentorship. And sometimes it's just an as needed. I have some mentors that it's once a year, I'll say like, oh my goodness, I'm working on something that she would be really good at. I'm going to see if she would chat with me. And sometimes mentorship looks like a monthly, you know, call that's on the calendar. So I think whatever it looks like to you, it's about being really intentional as you set out to look for that mentorship relationship. Most definitely. And I know that you are a SCORE business champion. So I want to give a plug to SCORE because they offer free mentorship for small business owners. Yes. And, you know, and if anyone's listening and they need a mentor, of course, you can always go on LinkedIn or through your network. But if you don't have anyone, there are some people who don't necessarily have a network. You can definitely go to SCORE. I'll list the link in the description of the show. But, you know, I want to ask you this question before we segue, if you have more than one mentor and your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I do because, you know, there's different seasons in our life, different seasons in our business, different things that we're working through and people have different skill sets and different, you know, sets of genius and superpowers too that I want to be able to surround myself with. So absolutely. I have so many mentors, you know, some, I have an amazing score mentor, actually Larry. Hello, Larry. He listens to every podcast I'm on. So I know he'll be listening and he, you know, that's just blossomed into a friendship. And then I have mentors, like I said, where it's just a once a year, someone that I'll just, um, you know, give them a phone call or give them a ring if I'm working through something in particular. And so I think it's okay to have a vast array of styles and types of mentors that speak into your life in different ways at in different seasons. Really great advice. And Sierra, I want to get more into the work you're doing now with the coaching business. You have the boutique workshop. Mm -hmm. What services do you provide within this workshop and coaching program? Yes. So one thing that I was not prepared for as a small business owner was the need to know and understand my numbers. And I went many years, you know, just really not understanding the importance of that. And then once I did understand the importance, I didn't know where to get the information. I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know how to learn. I didn't know what to do with the information once I got it. And so my coaching practice really focuses around 
helping small business owners understand the key performance indicators, those key pieces of information that we need that center around our numbers. So how do we understand how to read financials? How do we understand what makes our business tick? How do we understand the numbers that are important? important to our business specifically. And then what do we do with those numbers? And so I have a main coaching program, the boutique workshop. And, you know, every month in the workshop, we focus on one task. So like this month, we're just working on goal setting. How do you set goals? Where do those numbers come from? And how do you, you know, break a goal down and how do you actually achieve a goal? And so every month we take one task and I break it down into bite-sized actionable steps so that my clients can take them and implement those things in their business right away. Oh, wow. So for someone who's looking to work with you, how do you suggest that they get in touch? Or is it that you are targeting certain companies or certain people? No. So actually the best way to get in touch with me is probably just to jump on my website, theboutiqueworkshop.com, or you can find me on Instagram, cstockland, and just send me a DM. And I'd love to just connect with people and try to match you up to the right place. You know, where's the right fit, either with what I'm doing, or can I connect you with someone else that would be a good fit for you and what you're looking to do and accomplish in your business? Awesome. So, you know, some of what you're doing, I think back to how this relates to the financial aspect with myself being a financial educator. Now Mm -hmm. you're specifically focusing on retails. Do you delve into the financials at all? We do actually come in the coming months. We're going to be working on financials and how to read them. So profit and loss balance sheet, cash flow. And it sounds so scary and people are like, oh my goodness, I didn't go into business to be a bookkeeper or an accountant. You don't have to be a bookkeeper or an accountant, but when your bookkeeper or accountant give you those pieces of paper, you need to know what to do with that information. And so we dive into how to read financials, what the financials tell you. And I always tell my clients, literally a good set of financials, it should take you no more than 10 minutes every month, read through it, see what you need to see, do what you need to do with the information information and then move on to the parts of your business you enjoy, but it will give you so much more power to build a profitable business. If you understand the financial side of things. Of course, I have to agree with that. (laughs) Yes. My financial background. And I always tell people, you don't have to be an accountant, but you need to know if you're making money. I always start fresh from the business plan. What's your revenue? What are your expected revenues? Your expected um, expenses, laying out what your break even point is, even if you're offering mm-hmm. a service and, and telling people, okay, this is what you need to look at every month. You need to understand if you have a net profit or a net loss. And some people will get really frustrated because they're like, I I'm not good at math. I'm not good at accounting. I'm just going to hire someone. It is even yep. hire someone. You still need to take a look for yourself because there's some bad people out there who kind of fudge numbers and cook the books. I think that's an old saying. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, if you just turn your, your business financials over to someone and you have no idea what's going on. Gosh, like don't let anything hit the fan because you'll be sitting there like, well, I didn't know. Right. And people ask you, well, why didn't you know this is your company? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And you know, like you said, you need to know if you're making money or not. And if you're not making money, you need to know why. So, you know, so many clients that I have are like, oh my goodness, here I had an amazing weekend or amazing month. I made so much money, right? All the cash came in, but I don't have it. Where did it all go? And so just learning to understand how to read your financials will tell you the story of what's happening with your money. And once you know, you can make good decisions to keep more of that money, to make more of that money. But we have to understand, we have to know the why first, and we need to know where to get that. 
information. And that comes from understanding the numbers. Definitely. The money always tells the story, especially in your personal finances. So personal and business. And, you know, Sierra, you've been a business owner for quite some time. So over the last 14 years, and you mentioned that you have an 18 year old. So yes, would have gotten into business when your child was just wee high. How did you manage the homework, the after school programs, just the family interaction with starting a business? Yeah. I mean, a really good support system. I, my husband's always been an amazing cheerleader, you know, and we'll do whatever's necessary with the kids we parent as a team. So that's big. And then I think just our philosophy of parenting has always been that our kids are welcome members of our family, but we're not child centered parents. So our family and our life is not centered around our kids. They're welcome members of our family. We just And I always say, we chose each other first. You guys came along for the ride. And so just bringing the kids along, they understand, I mean, they've been around business forever. So they know when mom has a meeting, you know, they don't go with me anymore, but they went to so many meetings and had fruit sacks and met people and learned to shake hands and be polite and, you know, learn to help out in the back room or clean, you know, in the store or take inventory. I don't know how many times my kids counted things for me. And I would reward them or they could earn things, you know, and just teaching them work ethic and that this is our life. And this is what we've chosen. Mom and dad have chosen to do with our lives. And these are skills that you can learn when you leave home. You don't have to be part of a small business, but right now this is what our family does. And so it was just very normal. And I think having that philosophy of parenting is really what made it work well to build the small businesses, you know, as the kids were growing up. Right. That's so important to have that family time and building that support system and any tips that you would give someone who has little ones at home, but you know, they're tired of the corporate rat race and they have a great idea and they're looking to build or scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, small business has given our family so many great memories and so much flexibility. And so I would say, if you're thinking about leaving the corporate rat race and you're thinking about a small business, but you're nervous and you're, you're scared of what that would look like. Just think about the flexibility and the freedom it will give you to do what you want to do with your kids and your family. And then once you are in small business ownership, really make it a priority to learn to be a good steward of your time and your resources so that that flexibility is well used, right? Because we go into business because we think, oh, we can be our own boss and we're flexible, but then we don't manage our time well, and we run around like crazy. We don't manage our money. Well, we're always stressed. That's exactly not the reason we went into small business. So if you do go into small business, choose to be a good steward of your time, your resources, your money, find ways to help with that. If it's not something that you are naturally gifted in or naturally strong at so that you really truly do have the flexibility and freedom that you went into business for. Great advice. And I do want to ask you a question as it relates to finances. I know we we talked a little bit about, you know, understanding the paperwork and understanding if you're making money. So within my business, I have several brands. One of them is Ballin' on a Budget. Mm -hmm. It's also a financial workbook I use on the personal finance side. I would like to ask you, when you hear that phrase, 
what does balling on a budget mean to you? I would say that it just makes me think about how scary budgets can be and how frightful we are of the word budget and how we just want to like turn tail and run away when we hear the word budget. That's what I think about. Love it. Love it. (laughs) So there's no wrong answer and love your definition. Do you have any last words for our listeners today? You've given some really great insights and advice. Anything else you want to share? You know, I think surround yourself with people smarter than you. Someone said this to me once, you should never want to be the smartest person in the room. You should always have people two steps in front of you. And you should always have people a couple steps behind you too, because there's something amazing about learning from someone that's been there and done that. But there's also something very empowering when you teach and you help someone else. And so I think just surrounding yourself with people wiser than you And then having those people coming up behind you that you can help and you can teach as well will keep things fresh and exciting, give you new and interesting perspectives, and just really help pick you up on those days when when it is discouraging to own a small business. So that would be my ending word of advice. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Be sure to leave us a review and let us know any ideas you have for a future show topic. And if you really want to show us some love, share this episode with a friend and be sure to join our community online, milestonesmotivationandmoney.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at milestonesmotivationandmoney. Tune in next time.